1: It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and welcome to the show. What a time to be a Fulham fan. Today we're going to be discussing Friday night's 3-2 victory at the city ground against Nottingham Forest. Three goals in five and a half mad minutes. The away end was absolute scenes, all the reaction to what was just a fantastic evening. And Fulham, ladies and gentlemen, our sixth. In the Premier League, drink it in. What a wonderful time to be a fan of Marco Silva's glorious whites. And of course, everyone was asking, Sammy, are you gonna play the horn? We're in the top six, and I just don't think it's right. You know, the horn was all about last season. However, I'm more than happy to give this a spin. <laughs>
2: This
1: is the whole pod, by the
3: way.
1: <laughs> oh, it's been in my head all weekend and now it will be in your head all week too. Joining me on the podcast today, Isabel Barker, hello.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me on. How are you?
1: Not bad, thank you. Farrell Monk, hello. Hello, Sammy. And live from British Columbia, Benjamin, hello. Hello, Sammy.
3: That intro, It's the Fulhamish podcast, made me a bit teary-eyed. It's been a long time. It's been a long
1: time, but we're so glad to have you back on Jams live from Canada. If you're not aware of uh, Ben's personal life, he moved to Canada in the summer. Um, if you follow Ben on any social media at all, you will know this because um, he's definitely mentioned it a couple of times. But uh, a big life change for for Jams, but still able to come on the Fullerish podcast via the beauty of the Internet. Um, right, Farrell, let's do some three word reviews from Friday. What were the best ones?
2: Uh I've actually uh decided to mix it up a little bit. I've done a, a mix of Instagram and Twitter, but starting nice. off with with Instagram. He's ham Ibrahim with big tree points, and I like the addition of the little tree emoji. Uh I like uh Henry J T G uh, D's tequila mocking league. There was plenty plenty of tequila puns out there, which I quite enjoyed. Uh in uh, in reference to That's actually to really, the song. Good. <laughs> That's so really good. It is really
1: good. I mean, I'm now league.
2: never gonna call Tequila Mockingbird in Putney the bar that ever again. I'm just gonna call it Tequila Mocking League, uh, for as long as we are in the top ten. Uh we have Luke Balshaw's Reed Uproots Forest. Uh, obviously uh Harrison Reed all over all over the three-word reviews. Uh I really just enjoyed Massive Metros, I Shat myself. Love that one. Uh Archie Rintutz, big fan of the uh, big friend of the pod. Harrison Reed scored, nice and simple, just stating the facts like a proper journalist. <laughs> Tom Greatritz's six golden minutes. Uh golden's about G-O-A-L. Lovely stuff. Uh Silly Butties, uh, which is a great name. Uh Fulham's Forest Fire. Cheese FFC Tree Quick Goals. I, I would do it in an Irish accent, but I'll definitely murder it. Uh, Fulham fan date uh, Fulham fan base's ginger ninja winner. And I'll, find, I'll finish off Rachel's uh, with 11
1: from 7. Very, very good. Thank you for all your three word reviews. There were some brilliant ones coming in on Friday night. Let's get into the game then, Iz. Uh, you were in the car with us on the way back, uh, sleeping away. Um, <laughs> it was a big day for you, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> slept a whole two hours, really sociable. Um, what did you make of... Just a fantastic, fantastic away day. Our first away win of the season. And this Fulham team is a joy, an absolute joy.
0: Yeah, I think this game just shows how much we're oozing confidence. And it just shows how much of a different team we are this time. And how, you know, that frantic six minutes of goals is something that we would have never done in the seasons that we were in the Prem before. Um, and I just think it shows that maybe maybe this time it could be different. I saw some amazing stat that we overturned the deficit while trailing at half-time for the first time since April 2009 um, against Manchester City. Um, and I just think that just shows how, you know, it gives us so much belief, gives the players so much belief and it shows how much belief Marcus was giving us. And it was just such a good away day. I was saying to you guys, I think I haven't had a away day since Luton in the championship last year. Um and so it was just so much different to that and it was it was great. I love Nottingham. And yeah, I was asleep on the way back, but I just had so much fun. It was so good. It was such a good away end. It was such a good day. And living and breathing that Gia Polinia chant for the first time was so much fun. I had such a good day.
1: Yeah, uh, a really, really just uh, a top away day and Nottingham a good away day just generally. But then when you see what happened in the second half, um, absolutely staggering. I, I mean, Jams, it was actually a pretty tepid first half. Nottingham uh, took the lead through a one year kind of right place, right time, but a bit of poor defending. Um, it, it really was just a bit stale. And, and I was definitely at half-time just thinking to myself take a point here take a point and that'll be absolutely great.
3: Well I was watching the first half when I was actually at work so I was keeping tabs on it and I thought that we looked a little bit toothless at times I thought Forrest done a really good job of giving us the ball which is something that we struggled with this season when when Fulham had the ball they tend to poke and prod for a little bit and not really do too much with it but when we didn't have the ball and we started to break at pace and when Forrest themselves started to grow into the game Um, that's when I thought we looked at our most dangerous and there was some great counter-attacking play and towards the end of the half, actually after Fulham had almost settled down and got away from the physicality of the game for us to bring into them, we looked much better. But I don't think there was ever a point where we were going to sit there and think, yeah, we'll take a point because this is probably mislabelling it slightly, but it felt like a bit of a relegation six-pointer because they are really going to be a direct rival at the bottom of the table. So if we take that, those three points off them, then then that's brilliant. And I tweeted out the other day that we're in theory, nearly a third of the way to um, securing survival. And we're only seven games into the season, which I think, you know, is a great testament to the football we've been playing so far.
1: Um, Farrell, a lot of the debate before the match was, um, looking at the lineup. If anyone met me, uh, in the pub beforehand, there was, they would have seen, I was pretty fuming to be honest about how we have handled this left back situation. We have let a perfectly good left back standing in Joe Bryan go, and we have signed someone that's not even fit enough to be in our bench, uh, in Levin Kazawa. Clearly, a player with pedigree. Clearly, a player that's got some potential, and and maybe a better pedigree than Joe Bryan. But it's hampered us. We took taken a risk, and I mean it has backfired spectacularly with Robinson getting injured in the very very first game. Um, Reem had to play left back. We weren't actually hundred percent sure what style of play we were going to play. I a lot of people thought it might be a direct kind of system change with maybe Deckard over Reed at left wing back, which would have been pretty. Yeah, I actually thought it was the most likely option. Um, Diop could have been left back as well. As it turns out, Reem was fine at left back. He And actually, Reem did a brilliant job, but he is an extremely limited option there. And and I think we saw in that first half the way that Brennan Johnson skinned him alive. Um, because Reem is just not supposed to be playing that position. And, and we have shot ourselves in the foot. Fortunately, um, it, it didn't cost us.
2: Yeah. And there was... There was definitely the talk was well maybe we'll go five at the back so we can match them man for man especially since they like to go with their wing back options which um, did expose us a little bit considering we actually went with four at the back at the end with Reem playing as the marauding uh, fullback option which certainly wasn't the case however there were a couple of occasions where Tim Reem did get up the field and probably produced our best moment of the first half with a. Uh, a lovely ball into that corridor of uncertainty, but you you would expect that from him because it was he's such a good passer of the ball. Um, you know there are obviously limitations to uh, Reams play um, with his pace, but to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't that fussed that he was playing left back. We know how capable he is, and we know how confident he is is playing at the moment. Um, I think you could put him anywhere, and you probably. i reckon he'd be a lovely, stylish, shabby Alonso-style CDM at the moment, and, and he'd be absolutely fine at it as well. But um, yeah, it, in the end, it worked out fine. I think we're we're quite lucky to have uh, an experienced player like that. I think the biggest revelation was the fact that Issa Diop um, decided that he was up for Nottingham Forest away and not Crawley away, and actually played a blinder that we that we were able to witness. I thought he was excellent. Uh, defensively I thought he was excellent on the ball I think he completed I haven't actually looked at the stats or anything but he probably completed more successful dribbles in the first half than any other player on the pitch Um, so which is actually really really nice to to see and probably gives Marco Silva a nice headache that he didn't think of um, going into the next game
0: can I just uh, uh, say on that point I think we're seeing two sides to Marco where it's like either he's really great with like the youngsters and giving them a lot of um trust and like there's he's bridged that gap between our academy and and bringing younger players making them train with the first team and everything but then he has been really ruthless like I don't know how much I don't actually know how much he was involved in Joe Bryan going off to Nice but um he was he's quite stubborn and quite set in his ways as a player he makes his mind up pretty quickly and I guess time will tell over how maybe that might be his one downfall that we're seeing so far. Well, time will tell with that kind of left back situation and how he kind of probably was pretty ruthless with Joe Bryan and was probably like, you know, pretty firm on the decision. So um, there's two sides of him. Like we're seeing great chances for the likes of Luke Harris and things like that. But then seeing Joe Bryan go off. Um, yeah. Like I say, time will tell if that's one of maybe Marco's small downfalls this season.
1: Yeah. I just think we've cut our nose off to spite our face with this whole situation. And, I I just think it seems short-sighted and look, it's a risk that like you'd have probably thought maybe it was a calculated gamble. What's the chances that your fit left back does get injured in the very first game after you sign an unfit replacement. But uh... I'm not knocking the entire window. I think generally our business has been fine. I, I, I just think this has been a really poor decision. It makes it look even poorer when you see Joe Bryan bang one in in Serbia in the Conference League for Nice on Thursday. Um, Farrell, I did your job for you. And I can tell you that Issa Diop did not make the most dribbles in the Fulham team on uh, Friday. It was Andreas Pereira. Issa Diop, according to who scored, only had one successful dribble. Uh, Andreas Pereira had two. But I got the point. He did wow, I, I think
2: I think someone's someone's done a disservice there. I I mean I'm going to be on the buyer scale and I think he did about
1: 15. Okay, fair enough. Um Ben uh halftime came and went and Fulham Came out of the traps in the second half um, and it was a corner that got us back into the match uh, and a classic Fulham block. Again, we did it to Forrest last season. And we did it again. Um, Mitro blocking Ryan Yates, toast out a bio with, I'm going to say a simple header. It was a simple header, but like he still had to direct it and he did it perfectly. Um, another one straight off the training ground for Fulham. And what is mad is to think how poor we were with, with set pieces under Parker two seasons ago and how Marco Silva has just realised that it's such an important thing to be good at in the Premier League.
3: The return of the block. It's been great. I I really enjoyed that actually. Um, I think, yeah, it was a, you make it out to be a simple header for Tosin, but I think there's actually some, quite some distance on the header and he has to direct it into the corner, as you say, and it's a powerful, a powerful finish from Tosin. Actually, it's something you'd like to see out of him a little bit more. I think, you know, he's such a, a towering presence at set pieces and it would be unjust for Fulham not to use him more than we actually are currently. So it's about time we managed to figure out how to get Mitrovic, Tosin, Palinia, Ream, all of those taller guys. You know, we've actually pivoted slightly since the championship into a much bigger team. Obviously, you look at Palinia in comparison to Seri and it's like chalk and cheese, you know, one's tiny, one's huge. So it's been a, it's been a nice, um, it's been a nice change for Fulham. And I think when we hired Marco Silva, he came with a bit of a reputation for being poor at set pieces. And actually, again, that's been a complete 180 and that Fulham have now become incredibly efficient and ruthless at those set pieces. So yeah, it was a, it was a great start for Fulham to come out of the traps that early. And I think on the whole, our set pieces defensively and in the offensive side of the game are looking much, much better now.
1: Yeah. And, um, is he? We had barely a time to catch our breath before Fulham made it to. Nice work down the right hand side, Kenny Tete laying up Zhao Polinia. I, I should also say that, of course, yes, the Tequila song has course on, but we have to give props to our man Jeffrey with. uh pop up,
3: jow pop up, pop up, pop pop up, pop
1: One of the best this will catch chance we've ever had. Um... Polinia, what a bullet! Um, yeah, oh, the, the the way I mean, if we if we were all excited by Tosin's equaliser, fully lost it at this one, um, and he fully lost it as well. He's got himself a yellow card. He couldn't get, couldn't help himself, could he?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with him though, he's like the only player that I'm like, I don't want him to tone it down. Like, I love, I love his character. I love his passion. I think we need that at Fulham. Like I've always loved how Mitrovic is kind of a bit fiery and how he goes to away ends and shushes them. And I think we're seeing that with Polinia. and I don't think I've fallen in love with signing as much as I have with him at Fulham in a in a long time. I think he's, he, you can just tell he's just loving life. Like he loves life on the pitch where he's just having a great time in Fulham. Like he's got a baby on the way. His goals are sexy. Like he's just still having a great time at Fulham and uh, um, he's oozing confidence and like, I think a few of our fan base have said, you know, we have to be careful with him and he's getting these cards and things, but okay, he's gonna miss the Newcastle game and and you know, that we are that's gonna be a major blow because he just completely pulls the strings in midfield and we're getting his goals as well, is a massive blow to us. But um I just don't want him to tone it down weirdly. Like I just love it. And it was weird at the end when he came over to the away end and we were all singing his new chant. He actually seems a little bit shy. And they were kind of yeah. encouraging him to come out in front of us. Um, and he just loves the fan base. We love him. And it was just an amazing strike. Like, uh, like it's, it, I want to give some props to William actually as well, because his kind of twinkle toes were involved in the build up. He plays it, lays it to Tete and then it's just a, a beautifully timed pass from Tete as well. And um, yeah, and that is just an unreal goal from Polina. Like it's a, it's such a nice goal. Like all the goals were really well worked. Um, and yeah he he's just amazing and actually when I tweeted the the chant um a load of like uh, port- uh um, portuguese fans were were tweeting about it and I was trying to translate the tweets and they were like yeah of course you would be singing like that when you only paid peanuts for him In this kind of weird google translate translation that I, I got but I think they're pretty bitter and it, it just shows how much of a steal it was for us like he should be playing for a top two club at this point, like he—he's just unreal, and I'm, I'm glad we're reaping the rewards. What dirt does Marco Silva have on Polina? Because why have we got him for so cheap and for six years as well? He's just amazing.
1: Yeah, um, Peter Rutz's tweet afterwards. Still wondering how Fulham persuaded this guy to sign from Sporting. Amazing <laughs> impact so far. Um, Farrell, it's not just that he's a good player. It is what is he said? He flipping loves it. He absolutely loves it. The celebration straight into the crowd like thumping his chest with the badge he signed a six-year contract I just can't believe I'm I i can not believe our luck with this guy I, I I honest and people are saying that he might be the best CDM outside the top six and look, that's that's big praise it's early it's still early doors but wow I can't I can't stress how much I love this guy
2: Don't do Ed Fulham any disservice. We are in the top six. He's the best CDM in the top (laughs) six. Very good. Um, I mean, it goes back to a few games ago when I think I said it at the time um, that there was a point where I think I think it might have been against Brighton. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where we won a throw, it just literally just thrown. He just got a good interception on it, and the ball went out for their throw and he still was given it. Good old fist pumps in the air, like with twenty minutes to go. It's those little things that endear yourself to the fans. Not in the same way that Anthony Knockhart do it, because you can actually back it up with some <laughs> with some good yeah. play as well. I love the way he sort of gets. He always gets his body in the right position to win the ball, and I think that's something. Like even when you don't expect him to get there, he he might have like really good pace or every, you know and good physicality, but he's always got his body. They're in the way getting getting there ahead of his marker. And I it, it's a skill that probably can't be taught or anything. He's just got that natural ability just to, you know, get whatever body part is in the way to break up their play. And it we're reaping the benefits. But he's also showing that he is a very gifted footballer as well. He's not just a shit house. He's got the he's got the feet to, to match it up.
1: Yeah, Ben, uh, him and Harrison Reed controlled the middle of the park on Friday night. And and that was such a big reason, I think, why we won the game. I think it's the main reason, really, is just the, the control. Every time that Forrest tried to break on the counter, Polinia or Reed were there t- to break it up, particularly once Forrest got that second goal and they were trying to look for the third, they never got close. They never managed to actually make an opportunity because Polina and Reed were just there every single time. And yes, everyone played their part in the kind of defensive rear guard and might come on to some of the antics at the end, but I, it's, it's that control in the midfield that makes me go into every game now thinking, well, we've got a shot today because if, I mean, look, the Newcastle game is going to be really tough without Polina, but if we have got Polina and Reed. I do genuinely think that most teams in the league are going to know they're going to be, they're going to know they're in a game because there's no way we're going to just cede control of that midfield with those two running about putting out fires.
3: You're completely correct, and if you have a core as strong as we have it now, it's really, really it makes it the job of securing a game, three points, survival that much easier. To be able to exude that control on the game and to be able to stop other teams creating those chances is gonna be a huge factor in what Fulham are trying to do. And I think that outside of probably the top eight, ten teams, this is gonna be the best partnership in the league. And it's gonna be a key, a keystone to Fulham doing what they want to achieve. And I think that they play off each other so well. Pellinia the destroyer, we spoke about this on the whiteboard podcast. But last last year we talked about Harrison Reed in the eight, saying it's not his, his his like preferred position, it's not his favorite position, it's not a position we see the best out of Harrison Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This season I think we're starting to see what Silver saw last season, where Harrison Reed is getting himself around, box to boxing, um, just breaking up play, passing it on. He's got a good passing arc. So is Palina. I think there's so many more strings to Perlinia's bow that people give him credit for. He's a hugely creative player. He's got a great passing arc, very physical, although might not be the quickest, can get around the pitch. And I think that that is probably the same for Reedy as well. The amount of pressures they put on is great. And you, you win a game in midfield and then you cement it with other parts of the pitch. And I think that Fulham having this great partnership is is. A wonderful thing, and I think that actually against Newcastle we are going to struggle because we don't have Palina there as that curtain. And I really struggled to see who's going to come in and do a job as effective as him. But that's just the nature of when you have someone of that quality, as you say, he could quite easily fit into someone in the traditional big top six. Um, and I don't think that, as we said on the whiteboard, that Chalaber is going to be that guy. And I'm, I don't think TC is going to last a full ninety. I think you're very right in
2: saying that this is where we're going to win games in that midfield. And I think that's what probably was said about in half time, that when you look at the first half, it was a very controlled uh, performance from both teams. It was a very much a stalemate. Yes. They got their goal uh, from a set piece, but it was very much Nottingham Forest trying to ki- kill us on the break, but we defended that quite well. And then we sort of like tried to build it from the back, but we were coming up against a quite a low block that was, nullifying us. I think both teams defended quite well and that's just not how we were going to win the game. We try and that's I think Marco Silva obviously said, look, we just need to if they're obviously very well defensively set up, we need to create a bit of chaos here. So we were a bit more sort of brave on the ball, which meant that yes we were losing it a bit more, but we were winning it back a bit quicker in positions that they weren't ready and therefore we were able to find space in behind players that we weren't able able to before. Like especially the third goal uh, was massively battling from Pereira, getting, getting the, winning the ball, finding a little space, playing it to Mitrovic, which is a delightful through ball in between the fullback and the, uh, the centre-back. Um, but all three goals you could probably pin down to that, that little bit of chaos that unsettled the Forest uh, defensive structure. And that's down to not just Paulinho and Reed, but probably Pereira's best performance in a Fulham shirt to date.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it was just a joy to watch. And obviously that banger of a goal as well. Um, really, really enjoyable. And um, Ben mentioned the whiteboard podcast, by the way, perfect moment to mention it. Um, it was last week, Dan Cook and Ben. Now I know from the stats that whenever we win a big game, there's more of you listening. We know, we know who you are. <laughs> you, you, you join us for the good podcasts and, and you, and you skip the ones where we lose. It's fine we it, it's how it is but if there's one that you should queue for the next podcast to listen to make sure you listen to dan and ben's podcast uh, it's a couple down on the feed it's called the whiteboard passes presses Polinia. it's kind of evergreen so it's not really linked to the matches that were played. It's looking at Fulham's tactics, how it's evolved during the season, what Silver has done. It's so insightful. It's honestly the closest that you will come to like a Fulham seminar of like how we play. Um, It was a really, really good episode. So cue it to listen to the next one. I promise you won't regret it. Um, Dan and Ben were absolutely fantastic on that podcast. So um, make sure you listen to it. Um, Izzy, uh, the third goal again no time to catch your breath from Polinia's absolute screamer. We're all too busy singing the tequila song um, before Decadover Reed breaks down the left and Harrison Reed, Harrison Reed <laughs> pops up at the back post, his first goal for Fulham on his hundredth appearance for Fulham as well. Uh, what a milestone uh, for Reedy, how he managed not to score in the season that we scored 106, but then save was able to save it for the premier league. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. He's broken the duck and yeah pandemonium again uh, I just I, I was there just with my head on my hands like I can't believe what I'm witnessing here
0: yeah before this pod I had to re-watch his goal because I'm short anyway I'm like 5-2 if that and I'd already been like launched to the floor for the Polinia goal so I was barely like dusting myself up getting back up again and I didn't even see it go in like I it was just like we were in dreamland like I think we were all stunned Jaws hit the deck I just I couldn't believe it. Like as I was saying before, we were just oozing confidence. And like you say though, what has taken Harrison Reed so long? Like, um, obviously we know what he brings to the table. He pulls the strings in midfield. He's just got a absolute engine on him, works like a pit bull terrier, but obviously what he has been missing is that goal. And I'm so pleased that he got it. You know, he timed his run perfectly, decled over Reeds, um, links up with him beautifully and and it was a really awkward angle, the goal. Like, it was a really technical goal. Like, he ha- had to nail it to get it in. Otherwise, it would have just gone into the terraces. And so it just showed how technical he was as well with that goal. And, um, yeah, I was so pleased. I was there to witness a little slice of sort of Harrison Reed history. But um, I think it just sort of shows, again, as I was saying, what kind of... I know I keep saying confidence of what Marco Silva is bringing to these players on this night where, you know, we went behind and then players like Harrison Reed and Tosin are getting their first, Tosin getting his first prime goal, Harrison Reed getting his first goal, you know, it just shows the kind of um, mentality and feeling and belief um, in the dressing room. So yeah, I was really pleased to witness it. It was great.
1: Um, Farrell, two unsung heroes in that goal that I feel like need some credit. Mitro for the pass and Ann for the decoy run.
2: That pass is so inch perfect. I think I saw it from one angle, when I rewatched it, that uh, it looked like, well, the the defender should be able to get there, But actually, it's so inch perfect. It's just outside of his reach. Um, and like over Reed, again, he's just a player that's so productive on the ball. You're not entirely sure what's his outlying um, strength, but he just seems to be such a good all-round utility player that he fits so well in- into the system, only in the Premier League um but I don't I hope I do hope that he was actually looking for Harrison Reed there but that Willian um decoy run is brilliant and the finish is great um again William I thought like just a mention on him I thought he was very productive on his on his first uh yes. full outing for, for Fulham uh he was getting weird amount of stick even straight from the off must be some sort of Chelsea connection there that's automatically putting him on the back foot but yeah, I think he was very productive. I thought he def- he defended quite well. He won a few tackles. Um, he's got this little quickness of feet that goes undetected, just to create just create a little bit of extra space. And that might I don't know whether it's down to experience or whatnot. Like just even take it away from his from his marker, like just in that uh, Paulinia goal when he's sort of picking it up in a good position, just gets away from his defender slightly with just a nice little touch, lays it off to Kenny Tete. But I think it's just a, that third goal is just a lovely one all round. And it goes back to that whole sort of like, we create that because we're on the front foot with the confidence. We created a little bit of chaos in midfield, created that space in behind and Reid to run in at the back post. It's, it's just beautiful. I love the way that two, like William takes those way two defenders and they don't expect Harrison Reid to be popping in behind. It's just wonderful follow-up play and just a, just a good goal all round.
1: Yeah, it really, really was. Um, Their main match of the day kind of focused on the poor forest defending, um, and it was poor for both centre backs to to not look out to see um, Harrison Reed at, at the back post. We're well, obviously very glad that they uh, they did mess it up so badly. Um, ben, we didn't quite manage to make it a fourth goal uh, straight after, although we did have a couple of opportunities to to back it up, which would have been absolutely outrageous. Uh, and we let Forrest back into the game. Um, Lewis O'Brien, why he didn't start, I don't know. Um, he seems super effective for Forrest when he came on. I think he's a really talented player. I don't really know what Steve Cooper was doing there, not playing him from the start. But anyway, uh, he scored the goal. Tosin's defending or decision-making there with the with the back hill. I, I don't know, maybe i might being a bit harsh, but boot that for out for a corner, man. Don't take it. that's That's just so risky there to try and... Back heel it into the middle of the box. I'm sure he knows as much as anyone. He doesn't need me to tell him that it was bad, but I just thought it was poor decision-making or do you think he had no choice because he was stretching?
3: I think it's really poor decision-making, to be honest. I think I was quite a critical of him on Twitter when I saw the goal. I was like, why on earth is he trying to back heel the ball in, in his own box? It just, you know, there are going to be runners following up there and you know that Forrester trying to lump bodies forward to try and get something back into this game. Just sweep it out for a corner. We've got more than enough to deal with them at corners. We, we saw that with what we'd done previously in the game, other than the goal, like we had defended corners and set pieces pretty effectively. I think we were okay. Why, why try and backheel it there? Why stop it like that? Just get anything on it, lump it out for a corner, do whatever. I feel like, yeah, we let, we let them back into the game there with a little bit of poor um, decision-making that could have been avoided. And it meant that for the last 20 or so minutes at Fulham were really trying to hold on as Forrest were just... Wave after wave, but towards the end of the game, we we started to wrestle back control. And I think you'll probably come on to this next, but we looked much better holding the ball. There were some antics, you know. We started to circulate the ball a bit more, and yeah, we looked comfortable once we'd sort of dusted ourselves down again and just got back to it. There, there are times when Fulham are a little bit in and out of the games where we're sort of like, oh shit, they've just scored! Like, oh fuck, what are we going to do? And then about ten minutes later, we're like, okay, right, just hold the ball work it again, do what we know is best. And then, yeah, we go, we go back to what we're good at.
1: Yeah. Farrell, it is a bit shaky. Almost Fulham seems to not know what to do when two goals ahead, but then when it's one goal, it's like a barrier. You can't get through them. But two goals we're like, Oh no, this is too much of a gap. Like have a goal back, make it tough for us. Um, But yeah, Fulham, really, really classily saw out that game. I know that we did the same against Brighton. Um, The subs helped massively. That extra squad depth that Marco's now got, the fact he was able to bring on Dan James, Nisi Scabano, Tom Kearney, um, Vinicius uh, as well, just made it much easier for Fulham to actually see out the match. Not only that, but the substitutions broke up. Forest's kind of um, play, and, and and that is obviously one of the downsides from of, of five substitutions, if that's the side of the match that you fall on, is that it's really easy for the manager just to keep bringing on loads of subs and, and break up the game.
2: Yeah. And it's, it is nice that we probably had two perfect substitutions um to sort of see the game out. One, Tom Kearney. Tom Kenny is, I love Tom Kearney. I would love to love for him to play from the start, but to have him come on when we're three one up to, um, hold the ball, he's, almost, he's, he's so good at not losing the ball. Like, it's very rare that the ball is actually rubbed off him. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, he's got that very Brian Ruiz-esque kind of style about him, the way he's able to, he obviously doesn't have the, that physicality to of players like Alexander Mitrovic, but he's just got that style and guile to to protect the ball at all times and then find a lovely pass just to, you know, put the opposition under pressure as well. Um, I mean, just before he came on, they were like, yeah, Tom Kearney, hold the ball, don't do too much with it. And then someone throws it to him and he plays like a lovely right footed ball over the top for Dan James to chase down the side. And Dan James as well. Um, he's just got that pace just to sort of push that defense defensive line back from, from Nottingham Forest. Fresh legs and whatnot. I think Tom, Tom Kearney actually said in that, little, that interview that they did on the official website, Tom Kearney said it's the hardest thing to do in football is come on. But he's he's going to keep doing it for the time being. I mean, you know, especially since the form of Paulinia and Reed and Pereira, there's a chance that Tom Kenny might not start that many games this year, which is which is quite which is quite funny actually. But yeah, it, it's it's great that we've we've got those options now. And you've gone to the times we're looking at the bench and you're like oh, I don't know what we can do to change things up or or anything like that. More often than not, we've looked to the past where we're like, oh, we'll just throw on Alfie Mawson for the last twenty minutes and just keep just try and keep heading the ball out but actually when you think about it bringing on player like the the class of Tom Kearney to sort of uh you know control the game a bit more rather than just getting bodies behind it is shows the the level of difference that we have from two years ago to this time around it's it's good to see and I thought damn James was was particularly productive at um um just relieving that pressure on our back line and kept forest at bay which was great i don't i don't actually remember a good chance for them in the last 10 no, minutes or so um that's it's great we're not we weren't panicking i was definitely panicking though in the in the uh in the away and that's for sure
1: Oh yeah, I think we were much more tense than the players on the pitch. I mean, if you only had to see Tim Ream and the way that he kept the ball in the final few minutes and then won a corner, I was like, wow, how on earth is this? And I'm not saying that I know that Tim Ream's skillful and all of that, but just to see him in a position he's not used to, hasn't played for seven years, um, just making mince me of, of whoever was there on the forest right. I think it was Nico Williams trying to get the ball off him and he was just nowhere near um, Tim Ream's experience and our quality and such a nicer way to hold out a match is actually just to like classily keep the ball in their half rather than, as you say, bringing on Alfie Mawson to just like try and constantly head it away as they barricade balls into the box. Yes, Forrest were able to get the ball forward a couple of times. And actually, Issa Diop, I thought, dealt with all of the long balls that Forrest threw at us in the final few minutes really, really well. A fantastic win. It put us up to sixth. Yes, OK, the league's a bit... Weird now because a lot of teams have a game in hand on us and probably more likely we'd be actually eighth if everyone had played their games, but it doesn't matter. We're still Fulham in the top half of the league going into this international break. A wonderful, wonderful position to be in. We're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to answer some of your questions. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here with Farrell Monk, Ben Jarman and Isabel Barker. Just before we get into some questions, uh, just one from me to say that if you want to support the work that we do at Fulhamish and support the content that we make, then you can by joining Fulhamish on Leveler. Um, It allows you to pay a small monthly fee. It helps go straight into providing the content that we do. And as a thank you for uh, supporting us on Leveler, you get access to the Fulhamish Telegram community, which is an awesome place um there's nearly a couple of hundred people in there now um supporting us regularly and the chat in there uh, really goes off particularly on match days uh the transfer section uh, was absolutely fantastic on on deadline day there's also a pubs tickets and away days chat in there as well if you've ever got any questions about what pub you're meeting at or can i get a ticket for this game etc etc um As ever, we keep all of our content free, all of our podcasts, videos, articles, they remain free. If you don't want to support us, if you can't support us, that's absolutely fine. But if you're able to, um, then we'd really appreciate it. There is a link in the description of the podcast or you can go to fullemission.co.uk, click on the little support button at the top. And uh, you also get a two week free trial as well. So if you don't like it, two weeks and then you can not pay anything so uh, we'd really really appreciate your support if you'd like to but as not or if you don't want to then that's absolutely fine everything stays completely free right let's get into some of your questions then Uh, lots of good ones to get through today I want to come on to this one from Ian first because it was one that I was thinking of mentioning anyway so I'm glad you did Uh, it's taking it on a slightly negative twist but I think it's important to talk about Ian says we conceded two goals in five of our seven matches so far. Whilst we've won two and drawn one of these games, it won't be sustainable uh, going forwards. What's still needed or missing defensively? Um, Ben, this is definitely something I was thinking about against Forest. You can't keep conceding to a game and keep up the form that we're on. Obviously, I love winning games 3-2. It's really fun. But yeah, it is slightly concerning the, the amount of goals that we are shipping
3: this is going to be swept under the carpet a little bit because we are picking up points and results but you can't keep expecting to score three goals a game or two goals a game in the Premier League because that is just simply not how it goes I think that we do need to tighten up and I think as we go into further into the season you'll see the results will fluctuate a little bit here and there I think it's just natural but we do have a little bit of a change of the guard, I think, coming in at centre half. You know, we spent fifteen million pounds on Issa Diop, and I don't think the club will allow him to just sit there on the sidelines for the whole season. And I think that actually the form of Tim Ream is probably keeping him out. But, you know, Fulham Fulham are doing a job at the moment where they're funneling people into the middle of the pitch, which I think can put a lot of pressure on on the back four, particularly the centre halves and particularly on uh, Reed Reid and Palinio. And we did speak about them in the first half and they're they're a great pairing, but when you funnel people into, when you funnel teams into middle of the pitch, it does mean that your pressures come quite late into the final third. And Fulham have got the highest in interceptions and pressures in the in the final third of the pitch. And I think that that means that we are a little bit too deep. Um, and therefore, obviously, being deeper down the pitch means that there is more likelihood that you're gonna. To- let in a couple of goals I think that we do need to bring it up a couple of yards and having a quicker back four is probably going to be the remedy to that but whilst we have Ream, and Ream in there it's not going to happen too much um, but yeah I, I totally agree with you Sammy you know letting in two three goals a game is completely unsustainable in this league and there does need to make, be a couple of changes but whilst we have the firepower at the other end I think we'll be okay
0: just a quick point when I've reported on the Brighton game and the Brentford game two goal best. And um, sometimes Mitrovic is one of our best defenders. And I think that's been worrying Marco Silva a little bit as well, because in one of his press conferences, he said, um, Mitro is too low down the pitch for me. He's doing too much defensively. Um, You know, he's going to have to have too much time off now. He's too much time to recover. So it's about the players that maybe shouldn't be putting such a defensive shift in that are, which maybe is a little bit worrying. And we'll start to see the effects of that as the season goes on in like the newly promoted teams of maybe the smaller squads really start to feel that feel the brunt of that and then the results start dipping so I guess we'll have to see as, as the games go on.
3: That's what I wanted to say about the in the first half is the, the, about the fluctuation of results where Farrell rightly said we are top five in the league for expected goals against but there's also been some results that say that we're actually beneath our expected points so clearly we're we're sort of like trying to find our way in the league here and I think that you know, we'll revert to, to type and to norm over the coming weeks, but I think there's just so much good about the club at the moment that it is sort of like overriding the statistics at the moment.
1: Cool. Let's move on to uh, another question. And this one from Vincent Leyenda. Uh, Izzy, I'll go to you on this one. Do you think the Pelinia suspension is well-timed or possibly deliberate? Looking at the upcoming games, I'd rather him missing for Newcastle after an international break in which he likely plays than Miss Bournemouth or Everton at home. Now, deliberate, I don't know. I feel like that would be quite a conscious decision straight after scoring a banger to think, Oh yes, I need to get my yellow card. This is the perfect opportunity, <laughs> but I don't know. I can't, I, I definitely think it's important that he's back for the Bournemouth game i I, is there a perfect game for him to miss unless we were playing maybe man city at which you realize oh might as well miss that one because we're not going to win that but um i do think there's an element though of it being after the international break means that he will get a two-week rest he's clearly a player that is very very physical so it will mean that he'll get a break but then again whatever game he got suspended for he'd get a break because he wouldn't be playing in it so i don't know i mean your thoughts on him missing the newcastle game in particular
0: yeah, I thought that was a really interesting question from Vincent there. And you make a good point as well, Sammy. Um, I don't think it was on purpose, the suspension. And as I said, like, I just don't want him to tone it down. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? He's virtually getting a card a game almost. Um, But I do think, like you said, there's no perfect game for him to miss because his tackles and interceptions have just meant that we've dominated matches in central areas. And then he's obviously giving us goals as well. So I don't think there is a perfect time. But I do think if there would be a better time, it would be sooner rather than later in the season because we're going to see people that are, players that are injured come back. Um, the squad will just get a bit bigger, you know, people that are adjusted to the squad more and there'll be more faces for Marco to call on. So I don't think the Newcastle game is, is too bad, but I do think he he compliments um, someone like Tim Ream really well. You know, we're seeing someone the best of Tim Ream because of the cover that Polinia gives him. So I am worried. I do think it is probably our worst player to drop to miss. And um, I don't think there'll be any perfect games. It was a really interesting question there. But um, I guess the one worry that Marco did have was, you know, how small our bench was before the transfer window closed. Um, Now he's feeling more confident with it. So hopefully he'll be able to adjust to it. But Marco's full of surprises. So I couldn't guarantee what changes he's going to make at this game. You know, we had Tim Ream at left back. So I couldn't be sure how he's going to approach the Newcastle game with Kalini out.
1: One thing that I would really love to know, um, I mean, I don't really, I, no, actually, I don't want to find out, but I think we're going to, um, is, so the rules are about yellow cards. If you get five bookings in the first half of the season, you serve a one-match ban. Obviously, Pellini has now just um, triggered that. Uh, if you get 10 yellow cards up until, up to and including the team's 32nd fixture, you serve a two-match ban. What happens when you get to 15? Because I genuinely that think, that, like, he, we may get to that point.
3: It's a, it a three-match ban, and he's on course at the moment to to miss six games through suspension. Is it, just is it actually just
1: gone? Oh my god! Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah me and like this on the it's whiteboard. Up. I love that.
1: I just didn't know what I didn't know what the uh, the level of like after um, fifteen uh, went to. I didn't know if he maybe just went back to one. Yeah, I didn't know if the no. Premier League had written rules I- for, for that many yellow cards.
2: Maybe he he has to go and like clean the referee's cars or something like that after like fifteen or (laughs) twenty gala cards.
1: Yeah, some community service or something like that. Yeah. Um well tone it down if you can, Polinia, but also as Izzy said, it is kind of part of the charm. So uh I guess we're just going to have to uh, put up with it um, in in that way. Uh, Luke asks, how many points do you think we're getting in October Farrell? Uh, There's a lot of games uh, coming up, a lot of kind of winnable games for Fulham as well. Um, So yeah, how do you see us getting on in November? I'm just going to tell you exactly how many games so you can know the maximum. One, two, three, four, five, six. So There's a maximum of 18 points on offer. 18. Uh, I mean, there's,
2: as uh Harrison Reed says we don't fear anyone so uh 18 points thank you very much um i think there was uh yeah the, i mean looking at those fixtures i think you know we've we've got over that initial sticky sticky spell of actually um uh taking on quite a few of the play, the teams in the in the what would be the top half of the table um and yeah i just there's quite a few teams in there who've had their bad patch at the start of their season you know you're looking at everton yes they won today and whatnot villa the same same thing this weekend let's just hope we're not facing them when they're full of full of confidence again um but i you know they're full of the team are full of confidence now i hope that the international break doesn't really stifle their their sort of momentum and whatnot um you know like like i was feeling after friday i was just sitting there thinking i wish that i wish the next game was in a few days time um mm. but you know i think it's down to the professionalism we don't have a we don't have a huge amount of players going to the world cup for example so that might work in our favor um you know they therefore i think i think there's every chance we could definitely get another couple of wins on our belt i think i was having this conversation with you sammy Um, On the way home, God knows what time after Forest, but um, about how like, you know, if you're getting a point a game uh, in the Premier League, you are more than likely going to be staying up that year. And with 11 points from seven games, we've actually got sort of like a four loss buffer from that, which is quite remarkable. So if we go into at least of the next four games picking up at least one or two points, we still got that nice buffer. And every win on top of that is a nice little bonus going into what would be um, just before the World Cup break. So I think even just one or two wins in that, I think it's 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 really nice.
1: Yeah, I, I think that was what we were saying is that let's say worst case scenario, you lost against Newcastle and West Ham, but then you won against Bournemouth. Still that buffer, still that four point buffer. This nice thing now about having this position is that you you don't want to lose games you i don't think you could ever say we can afford to lose games but it's that difference of where we've been in the premier league for so long we've always kind of trying to catch up and if if and and it's what it's what kept brentford up last season and um interestingly they only had one more point at this stage from there exceptional start. So if everyone thought Brentford started well last year, Fulham have pretty much matched them one point fewer um, than Brentford had uh, this this stage last season. They then lost their next four. So let's hope we uh, don't carry on the trend of, uh, of Brentford's start. Uh, a lot of people asking about uh, what we're going to do uh, in the absence of Jao Polinia, Ben, uh, TFFC, who are the candidates to step into Jao Polinia's shoes when suspended? Or could we switch to a back five instead? I feel like Silva's wedded to that back four system, but we never know.
3: I really hope Fulham don't switch to a back five because when Fulham play in a back five, it makes me feel really, really uneasy. Well, I don't think we've ever played well in a back five or back three formation under any manager, so I just don't Mm -hmm. think we have the squad um, and the personnel ready for that sort of formation. Uh, Like Parker tried it, and for about three and a half weeks, it worked, and then after that, we got found out and. Yeah, you know the rest is history. So, I don't think I've, we'll see a, a change there. I think we might see Reedy in the in the six, and we might see Tom Kaney come in in the eight. Um, I just, you know, I think there's a large part of me that really hopes we don't see um, Nathaniel Chalaber take take to the pitch because um, I just don't think he's cut out for the Premier League. I think he's a guy that is playing at ninety percent. He knows he's had a, a, like a, an injury history. And I don't think he wants to get injured again. I just don't think he's got what it takes to to work in the Premier League. And I think that this is probably one of the only bad things about Fulham's transfer window is that we didn't really strengthen outside of Pallinia in that in that central midfield, especially at the base of it, which means that as soon as he's gone, the options are incredibly limited and we're gonna look a bit shaky against Newcastle. I think the the one the one thing that we're probably forgetting
2: is that Harrison Reid has probably slept playing outside of his best position which is in that Paulinia uh, place um, and that's no criticism of how he's playing in the moment he's obviously playing really really well and got the goal the other night but his best position is is in that six um, we've seen it in the Premier League before like in a stuttering Fulham team he was probably one of the few shining lights really I remember a period of time we were like I think Harrison Reid is going to make the Euros obviously that didn't occur um, but then that leaves you another thing of like, well, who's going to play in Harrison Reed's position instead? I think we are a little bit thin on the ground in that regard. I think maybe Bobby Decker Dover Reed could probably fit in that in there, but then you've got, and then it's another position you need to fill.
3: You could you could put Andreas in there and then put Bobby ahead of him in the ten.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Again, or okay, Kenny, um, Bobby Reed could definitely do that, and then you could play Cabano on the left, waiting for wilson and uh solomon to come back um but again it's sort of like okay we could put that person there we could put that person there and i think that probably harks back to the fact that we didn't fit backfill a lot of these positions that we thought we could could do so really
1: well just this one position really i think generally apart from obviously a bit of a left back uh problem which i'm hoping will be fixed by uh the newcastle game either with Robinson coming back or Kazaba getting fit. Um, but other than that, I, I, I do think that it's just this central defensive midfield problem. And we knew that Pelini was going to get suspended. He's going to miss three games this season because of yellow cards, potentially even more if he does, as we talked about hit the 15, um, which is a, which is a big chunk of the season. Uh, one more question uh, is you're going to on this one. Uh, Steven Watson said thoughts on Diop. Stephen Steven says, I thought he was sus.
0: What does sus mean? I saw this question suspect. and I thought I was in with the kids, but clearly not. So I mean, suspect is in the sense that, Oh, that he didn't think he was that good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I, oh, well, I didn't think I, I was pretty drawn to William and how well he did. So I feel like maybe the kind of went under the radar a bit for me, but I thought he had a, a good debut alongside Poston. Yeah. I thought he was composed at the back. He was pretty tight on the ball. Um, I thought it was quite an encouraging performance. I wasn't actually at that Crawley game, but like all of the talk and stuff that came from after that game was how calamitous that had been and how much of a horror show that was. And that was really worrying considering we spent money on him, you know, we bought into this pair and, you know, he was at West Ham wanting him to do really well. But um, I thought he was pretty good. Um, But yeah, I think he definitely needs to get a few um, starts under his belt and we'll see what he's really made of but I didn't think he was sus as those young folk call it I didn't think he was that sus I thought he was all right.
1: (laughs) can't believe I'm teaching you what (laughs) sus means Um, Jams your thoughts
3: Cleveland actually asked me this directly I'm I'm not quite sure why he asked me directly but I I said to him if if you're looking for someone to come in and be technically excellent and carry the ball up pitch and you know like that side of the game Diop probably isn't that guy and I think you also need to remember that he didn't play really at all last season and you're trying to get up to speed in the quickest and most technically, you know, uh, astute league in the whole of the world. And for him to like be dropped in there with almost with barely any preparation aside from that absolute horror show at Crawley, then it's a pretty tough ask. But I think that he will grow into this season. I think you don't spend fifteen million pounds on a defender just for the sake of it. And I think you also need to look at the context is when he came out of Toulouse, he was one of the hottest prospects in football, especially for a centre-half. I think he was only 20 when he moved to West Ham and immediately he looked great. I mean, we when we went to that West Ham away game in the Premier League a couple of years ago, he looked really, really good. Um, so I think that there is an element to say, just give him a bit of time and he'll get he'll get back up to speed. And of course, when you've coming off a a horror show against Crawley, it's going to take some time to win the fans back over. But I do think there's a great player in there, and I think that he'll be he'll be good for us in in the years to come.
1: yeah, I thought that it was one of those where in the first half, I think he was a bit. Shaky in terms of like it would maybe just nerves just settling into the pace. And then I thought for the last half an hour of the game, he swept up absolutely everything you need to. I thought he brought the ball out of defence well. I didn't think he put a foot wrong. So I thought it was a really encouraging performance, but it's clearly going to take him some more minutes before he gets to that point. And, and Silva's got a dilemma there. He's got a few dilemmas all across the pitch, but it's particularly at centre-half what he does because he has got three really strong options, all clamouring for minutes. And it's not like the defence is keeping clean sheet after clean sheet. So there is justification for changing. Now, who he changes is is controversial because either one, if you take out Tim know, um, yeah, invokes... Uh, if it will invoke a big reaction, but he's, he's also so shown Marcus Silva that although you keep the shirt, he's shown with Rodak to Leno and he's shown now with like a Cabano to Willian that he's not afraid to make bold calls. And I think we're going to see Diop, I reckon, play a few games in October and I don't know who it's for. I genuinely couldn't call it. Uh, right. Final question from, I think it's Sean. C-I- Oh, Kian, sorry. Kian Hosking. Anyway, his profile is um, Mitrovic with the old school Ronaldo haircut and I absolutely love it. Uh, One word answer. Where do you honestly believe we'll finish in the table? I personally believe we're going to claim the 14th spot. Izzy?
0: I'd say 13th. Is that the same as... I think that's the same as... They don't live in my head rent-free or the pods head rent-free because we have mentioned them already but I think that's where Brentford finished last season I think we could easily do what they did last season
1: 13th okay not quite one word but yeah I'll take <laughs> it. Farrell 15th Jams 13th I'm going to say it now I'm going to say 11 I'm going to say eleven.
2: first first Sammy says first um, oh, you heard I it here first.
1: first I mean we all want the conference league right We're, I want to get my passport out okay I want to go to Albania in September <laughs> watching Fulham in the Conference League. That's exactly what I want to be doing, Izzy. And it's possible, okay? So let's dream for 7th. But no, probably realistically 11th. Um,
2: our next, uh, our previous Fulhamish way day, which was a barge on a outside Peterborough's away end. We're now going to go to a shack outside Tirana FC or something.
3: <laughs> what I well, do. Don't be mean discussion. about Albania. Albania and Kosovo are a lovely part of the world. Oh, they... don't get me wrong. Oh, no, yeah, oh, I want to go. No, I'm not... Uh, yeah, I'm no, sure. please. A shack, a shack. <laughs> all right,
1: Farrell. It might still be a shack. They have shacks in Albania. It's a nice place, but they still have shacks. As long as they serve nice Albanian
2: local beer, I'm okay.
1: Yeah, well, we know yeah. that one of our own, Dan Cook, is from Albania. We've, we we we, res- we respect it. We respect it. Uh, right, uh, that will do for the podcast day. Thank you for all your questions, as ever. The only thing that we need to do is name the podcast. So, Farrell, what would you like to go for?
2: Uh, I can't, I was some really, really, really good ones today, but um, uh, but I can't look past uh, Cheese FFC Tree Quick Goals. I, I, I kind of hope that Cheese FFC is actually not just in relation to the cheese board thing, but also the cheese that was rubbed on Breda Hangeland's knee, so I, I actually hope he changed his name to Quark FFC afterwards.
1: Phew, I did not know where that analogy was going, um, <laughs> so I'm really glad that's what, what it was with that i don't know i genuinely was like oh god i have no idea in which direction this is going to go but yeah Do you think that every them. time i open my mouth on this podcast a little bit but particularly that moment that um that did terrify me slightly okay fantastic pod name thank you very much okay thank you for listening today there will be a thursday club in the week uh Peter is off. I think it's myself, Jack and Drew on the Thursday club uh, this week, but uh, just more reaction to uh, where Fulham are on the table. I think we're going to do a bit of a and a episode as well. So we'll give you a chance to uh, maybe ask some questions uh, on some other aspects uh, of Fulham and uh, just general life. I think that's what we're going to do uh, in uh, this week's Thursday club. Thank you very much for listening today. And thank you very much to my guest, Isabel Barker. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Farrell Monk. Thank you thank you as always and Ben
3: Jarman live from Canada thank you thank you Sammy I'm now off to HomeSense I wish you all a lovely day
1: I was just about to ask what uh, typically Canadian thing are you uh, going to do with your Sunday but uh, Moose right. yeah. say- we're,
3: we're, we're off to HomeSense then we're going to go walk around Stanley Park um, and then we yeah we're going to go to get some poutine and then we're going to go to the cinema oh, sounds like a nice sounds like a nice day yeah. doesn't it it's still
1: not a day well uh, thank you very much for listening as I mentioned Thursday Club will be back in the week until then have a lovely one come on you whites
3: toodles